Section 11 of Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages by Wilhelm Wagner. Section 11. Dietrich, the Faithful Ally. March to Etzel. Dietrich lived in friendship with Etzel, king of the Huns, from the time Rudiger first brought them together. When the hero came back from Burgundy, he had sent ambassadors to the king, and promised to help him if he was in any difficulty. It was not long before he was reminded of this promise. The Margrave, who was known in all lands by the title of the Good and Gentle, came to Bern one day, as he had often come before, for he was a welcome guest. On such occasions the warriors would talk over their past adventures, and tell tales of noble and doughty deeds. Rudiger told, amongst other things, his adventures in Spain, and how he had at last left the country, and taken service under King Etzel, who had always been a true friend to him since the beginning of their acquaintance. He went on to relate how King Etzel, powerful monarch as he then was, did not shun to speak of the hardships and homelessness of his early youth. Yes, truly, interrupted Master Hildebrand, and I know as much of his early youth as ever the great king himself. Once when Vilcanus was ruler of the Vilcan men. Ha, my great-grandfather, cried Vittich, what have you to say of him? I only know, continued the master, that he was a mighty chief, and that many kings were subject to him, amongst others King Hernet. After the death of Vilcanus, Hernet rebelled against his son and heir, Nordian, and forced the latter to acknowledge him as his liege lord. The conquered king obtained the rule of Zealand in fief, and declared himself satisfied, although he had four gigantic sons, namely Asperian, Edgar, Aventrod, and terrible Vidwolf of the club, who was always kept chained up, because he did so much destruction whenever he was in a rage. When Great Hernet died, he divided his kingdom amongst his three sons. Osantrix, Osric, obtained the rule over the Vilcan men, Valdemar over the Rusin, and Ilius became Jarl of the Greeks. The eldest of the three wooed beautiful Oda, daughter of Melias, king of the Huns. He won her by trickery and force, with the help of Nordian's four giant sons. Oda's father and husband became allies after the marriage, but they could not conquer the bold Frisians, who often made raids into the lands of the Huns, and burned, destroyed, or stole whatever they laid their hands on. For Melias was old and weak, and the Vilcan men lived so far away that their help always arrived too late. The leader of these bold invaders was the mighty man of valor now known as King Etzel, or Attila as he is sometimes called. He was a son of the Frisian chieftain Osid, and after his father's death had to allow his brother Ornit to succeed to the rule of Friesland, and himself go out into the wide world, with nothing but his armor and a good sword. But Frisians were a bold and warlike people. Many of them joined themselves to the young hero, and accompanied him in his Viking raids into the neighboring land of the Huns. 
When Malleus died, the notables of the land elected their former enemy, Bold Etzel, to be their king, and thus the robber chief and invader became the sovereign and protector of the country he had once laid waste. Yes, returned Rutiger, that is quite true, and there is more to tell. King Etzel wished to marry Erka, Herche or Helche, the beautiful daughter of Osantrix, chief of the Vilken men. I was sent as ambassador to her father, and was well received, but when I told the king the object of my mission, he grew wrathful, and said that he would never give his consent to such a marriage, for Etzel was not the rightful chief of the Huns, adding that the position was by his right of his wife, the daughter of Melius. He cared not when I threatened him with war, but desired me to go my way. Etzel invaded the country with his men, and when, after much fighting, a truce was at last agreed to, neither side had gained much advantage. A year later I went back with a number of brave men, and had a strong castle built for me in the Falsterwood. This done, I stained my face, and otherwise disguised by a long beard, went again to visit Ocentrix. I told him I was a faithful servant of the late King Melias, that I had been ill-treated and deprived of my lands by Etzel, and had therefore taken refuge with him. This story gained me his confidence, and having occasion to send his daughter Erka a message, he made me his ambassador. I told the maiden of Etzel's wooing, and how he wished to share his power and glory with her. At first she was very angry, but at last consented to marry him. One moonlight night I brought horses to the gates of the fortress where she was shut up with her young sister, broke the bars, and carried off the princesses. We were pursued, but managed to reach the castle in the wood where my men were awaiting me. I had scarcely time to send a message to Etzel, when Ossentrix came upon us with all his host. He laid siege to our stronghold, but we managed to defend ourselves till Etzel came with a great army, and forced the Vilken men to withdraw. Ever since then, there has been a constant predatory warfare between the two nations, and Ossentrix has even now invaded our land with a large army. He is accompanied by Nordian's giant sons, who are the terror of our people. Now, noble Dietrich, Etzel thinks that if you will come and help him, he is sure of victory. Ah, well, if my dear comrade Vildeber will go with me, cried Vidich, I think that we too shall be able to reckon with the giants. Dietrich promised his help and ordered all preparations to be made for the campaign. The Bernese heroes arrived just in time, for the two armies were standing opposite each other in battle array. The fight began. Dietrich and his men took up their position in the center division. The Omlung banner, borne by Herbrand, floated proudly above their heads, and Vittich rushed foremost into the fray. He first encountered the grim giant Vidolf, who gave him a blow on the helmet with his iron club. The dragon that formed the top of the helmet was bent by the terrible blow, and although Velen's work did not break, the hero himself fell from his horse and lay senseless on the ground. Over him rushed the men-at-arms in the wild melee. Haim alone drew rein. He stooped and drew the sword Memung out of Vitage's hand, for he held him to be dead. 
When the wild fight was over and done, the Vilcan men retreated from the field, and the Huns pursued them, plundering where they could. Hernet, nephew of Ossentrix, reached the battlefield too late. He could not prevent his uncle's defeat, but he found Vittage, as yet scarcely recovered from his swoon, and took him prisoner. The victors feasted at Sosat, and rejoiced over their great deeds. But Dietrich was sad at heart, for he had lost sixty of his men, and worse than all, his friend and comrade, Vittich, was among the missing. In vain they sought him on the battlefield. All wondered what had become of him. When the king of Bern, richly rewarded for his help by Etzel, made ready for his departure, Vildeber came to him and asked for leave of absence, because he would not, could not, go home without Vittich. Dietrich willingly gave his consent, for he could not help the foolish hope springing up within his breast that perhaps Vittich might be yet alive, and that his friend might find him. The next day, Vildeber went out hunting, and slew a bear of unusual size. He skinned it, and went with the skin to Isung, the minstrel, and arranged with him a plan to free Vittich, should he be a prisoner in the hands of Ossentrix. Issung helped him to draw the skin over his armor, and fastened it up carefully, then led him in the guise of a dancing bear to the stronghold of the chief of the Vilken men. Now wandering players and merry andrews of every sort were welcome guests in all castles and cottages, so Issung and his bear were well received. Ossentrix laughed heartily at the marvelous agility of the creature in dancing and springing to the sound of the fiddle and even Vidolf, the grim giant, who was led about with a chain by his brother, Aventrode, laughed for the first time in his life, making the hall shake with the sound. Suddenly it occurred to the king that it would enhance the sport to set his twelve boarhounds on the bear, to see how strong it was. Isung vainly entreated the king to forbear the cruel sport, alleging that his tame bear was worth more to him than all the gold in the royal treasury but Ossentrix was not to be persuaded. The great dogs were loosed, and the barbarous sport began. To the astonishment of all, the boarhounds were either worried or smitten to death by the bear. Ossentrix sprang angrily to his feet, and slashed at the creature's shoulder with his sword, but the steel armor under inside the bearskin saved the hero's life. Another moment, and the bear had wrenched the sword from the king's hand, and split his head open. The second blow did to death grim Vidolf, the third his brother Aventrod. Isung stood staunchly by his friend when the Vilken men sought to avenge their king. The courtiers, however, soon took flight in deadly fear of the player and his wild beast. Vildeber now threw off the bearskin, took the helmet off one of the giants, and, fully armed, set out in search of Vittich. The heroes searched the palace. They found Vittich's good steed, Skemming, and his armor, but neither him nor the sword, Mimung, could they discover. At length they lighted on him in a damp, dark dungeon, chained to a wall, and grown so pale and thin as to be hardly recognizable. Fresh air, food, and wine soon made a change in his appearance. He put on his armor, and sadly took another sword, saying that none could be as good as Mimung. "'Now let us be gone,' said Isung, "'lest the Vilken men should come back. 
So Vildeber and he helped themselves to horses from the royal stables, and the three heroes galloped away. Of a truth, cried King Etzel, when he heard their story, you are bold men. You have done me good service, and have brought the war to an end unaided. The Lord of Bairn is richer than I, in that he has comrades who willingly venture their own lives to serve a brother in arms. He kept the heroes for several days to recruit their strength, and then sent them home laden with rich gifts. Dietrich was overjoyed to see his brave warriors again, and showed them honor in many ways, but noticing that trusty Vidich was silent, and had no appetite for wine or food, he asked him what ailed him and Vidich answered that he sorrowed for the loss of Mimung, his father's best gift, and would go in search of it, though he had to wander through every land. I have a notion that you need not take so long a journey, replied the king, for I cannot help thinking that the sword Heim wears is as like Velen's work as one drop of blood is like another. The conversation was interrupted by the arrival of two warriors in rich armor, who had been sent by the emperor Ermenrich, Dietrich's uncle, to tell the hero that Jarl Rimstein, his vassal in a great fief, had revolted against his authority. Ermenrich therefore entreated his nephew's aid, and Dietrich promised to help the emperor. March against Rimstein Before starting, Wittich said that he could not go to Rimstein without his sword, and Heim refused to give it up, alleging that it was his by right of war but the king smoothed matters for a time by desiring Heim to lend it to his comrade during the campaign. The warriors set out. The rebel Jarl proved himself a tougher foe than had been expected, and even after weeks and months had passed, his castle seemed as impregnable as ever. One moonlight night, when Vidich was out alone, he met six warriors whom he knew, by the device upon their shields, to belong to the enemy. They fought, and Vidich slew their chief, his sword Mimung cutting him in two from the neck to the waist. The other five fled in terror, lest a like fate should befall them. On examining the dead man, Vidich found it was the Jarl himself that he had slain, so he returned to the camp well pleased. Next morning he told Dietrich and his comrades what had chanced, and how the war was now at an end. He is indeed a bold warrior, said I'm sarcastically. He has slain a weak old man who could not defend himself a bit better than a woman. But now I must have Mimung back again, for I only lent it for his enterprise. Let me first try it on your head, false comrade, answered Vittich indignantly. You left your brother in arms to die in a strange land, and were traitor enough to rob him of his weapon of defense as well. "'You shall now pay the penalty of your meanness.' Heim drew his sword Nagelring, and a fight was eminent. But Dietrich thrust himself between the angry men, and commanded them on their allegiance to keep the peace. Ermenrich rejoiced to hear of Vidich's deed, and that the war was at an end. He gave rich presents to Dietrich and his men, and asked the royal hero to give Vidich leave of absence, that he might marry fair Polfriana the emperor's ward, and undertake the government of her rich fife of Drachenfels, the Trekkenfell of Norse legend. Dietrich was pleased at his comrade's good fortune, and at parting 
he merely reminded him of his oath of fidelity, which the hero at once renewed. Not long afterwards Vitich was married to Bolfriana, and was endowed by the emperor with a great fief of Drachenfels, which extends to Fertilaberg, Friedberg, and far beyond the eastern mountains. So Vitich became a mighty chief, as he had told his father that he would. Heim also, when his father Studis died, went to Ermenrich's court to take the oath of allegiance. He received other lands from his imperial master, and what he liked still better, much red gold besides. End of section 11